Dunn Stores are proud sponsors of How to Fall Apart, the support series. Always here for our customers. Hi, I'm Leon Hines, and this is How to Fall Apart, the support series, sponsored by Dunn Stores. This week, our theme is mothers. We started this series looking at how children were being affected by the pandemic. We're finishing it looking at how mothers are coping. I've spoken to a large number of women who are mothers over the past few weeks. Friends, obviously, but also women I've interviewed for various pieces. I've heard a lot of stories about difficulties around gender balance. Women struggling to maintain their careers when a second career with a bigger income in a house needs to take priority. Women talking about how they've had to jettison, for now anyway, the things that help them to maintain some sense of mental well-being because they're so busy trying to keep work going and minding children. Most of the women I've spoken to described how they are presently managing as unsustainable in any long-term sense. But at the same time, they're anxious about looking too far ahead into the future because they're worried about how they're going to make things work. My own situation has involved things like getting up at five to work, which means I get stuff done, but then I'm not exactly finishing work full of energy for crafting or homeschooling or even play. It has gotten easier in the last few weeks with an occasional socially distant coffee with friends. But for a while there, like a lot of the women I spoke to, it felt like all I did was work or parent with absolutely nothing else in between. For most of this series, I've spoken to experts to offer support. In the case of mothers, I've always found the best advice and support comes from other women. So that is who we went to for this episode. This is our last episode in the support series. I just want to say thank you so much to all my guests for this season. I'm so grateful for all your time and honesty. And thank you to everyone who listened. And to Cassie Delaney for production and editing. And Dara black for composition and technical support. And thank you to Dunn Stores for supporting this series. I spoke to designer Natalie B. Coleman about running your own business from home with two small children and about coping as a single parent. Um, my name is Natalie Coleman and um, I have a fashion label called Natalie B. Coleman that's um, an independent design fashion label um, that's going 10 years and I also lecture in the National College of Art and Design in Dublin um, in fashion design. Um, yep. So, <laughs> um, what would a typical week have looked like for you before this? Would you be in and out of home or you know work-wise or where would you be? Well, I work for my life. My before I had kids, I was in the studio. Like even when I started lecture and I was pregnant with Eden, but I'd still go to the studio until three in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like um, obviously when you have kids, everything changed. But um, I would. I had a cousin of my dad's, a gorgeous woman who's looked after Eden, um, since she was small, who'd come up on a Monday and would. Um, who lives in Dublin and she'd look after Odin who turned two in April and Eden would go to the preschool mm-hmm. the Steiner just across from where I work and um, so we normally be getting like our croissants on the way <laughs> and then um, I work with a lovely team in NCAD so I would work mm-hmm. um, four days there a week and one research day and um, my dad would come up two days a week, travel from Monaghan. He's okay. been incredible. Mm-hmm. He's helped out with Eden as well since she mm-hmm. was born. Mm-hmm. And he would look after them two days a week. 
and then yeah so I'd work in NCAD I come home do the dinner the usual kind mm-hmm. of thing pick up a story you know bath story bedtime more snacks I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of and then I'd work here mostly I had to change the way I worked and that's why I started doing more of a casual line kind of thing as well but um cutting patterns on the floor um you know designing just looking at different fabrics the whole house you know just kind of mm-hmm. covered in mm-hmm. stuff <laughs> your children are what age what age are your children now Natalie well Eden turned four and Odin turned two in okay. April so it was during okay. this pandemic okay. so okay. Okay. we just had the little birthday party here yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah. so that was kind of sad for Eden but mm. we've like it we've been really busy in NCAD you know doing a lot of kind of tutorials online with the students okay and um, okay. it's hard for them as well and then you have the kids so like luckily Odin sleeps some days for three four hours which is amazing okay yeah so at least then I can get Eden to do some drawing or sometimes you just have to put the tv on you know and then you feel so guilty Mm. you know trying to balance everything it it, it's really hard it's not sustainable Mm. like it's not Mm. just working from home I thought it was like some kind of you know, TV version, you know, where you'd be like gazing out the window and kind of, you know, having a coffee and yeah. just, you know, it's it's hectic. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it not is. good for me. And so you, you're still running your own business from home as well. Yeah, you're still creating. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell yeah. me a bit about what you're doing there? So um, we had to, like all, all the orders pretty much got cancelled or put on hold. So um yeah, there was a lot of exciting things supposed to happen that just disappeared. Yeah. So um, always as a designer, you try to think of ways to stay relevant, mm. you know, or, mm. you know, and to kind of um, respond to what's happening around. Mm. So we started making masks. So mm. um, I wanted to keep my seamstresses, um, you know, getting paid. And mm-hmm. we I was really inspired by um covid creatives COVID, you know yes, covid creatives yeah, yeah. who did all the fabulous posters yeah yeah um, and i did one for them and then i started looking at women's aid you know which obviously i knew of before so um we kind of partnered with them so a share of the profits goes goes to them we just started very small with using we're still small <laughs> now we're global <laughs> but we just started using like fabrics from mm-hmm. the studio and mm-hmm. i wanted to make because if you're being advised to wear these, I wanted them to be pretty, you know, and I thought that like the more stylish they were, that the more, you know, people might be willing to put them on. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, you know, all the different kind of things around masks, about um, I, about really how fashion always kind of finds a way, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that, you know, there were, purely functional but then there was this amazing trajectory to you know so fast that they became a kind of fashion item Mm -hmm. and I wanted to make them still kind of feminine and conversational and that the idea of wearing the mask isn't about protecting yourself from others but it's Mm -hmm. about kind of 
you know, being sensitive mm-hmm. and caring mm-hmm. and considerate about mm-hmm. other people. So it could almost be a kind of way of connecting in a community. Yeah. So the more pretty and kind of conversational and fun they are, the less kind of intimidating. Yes. So, yeah. 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 So sorry, I just can't hear you. There. No, you're fine. And tell me then, can I ask, because um, you're you're doing so much. How are your own stress levels at the moment? Um, I'm, yeah, I've been up and down, really up and down. Um, like some days I feel really okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> other days yeah. Yeah. I just think, oh my God, will this ever end? Yeah. Or just, yeah. can I go to the toilet on my own? You yeah. know, we all have yeah. a shower together. You know, it's like, <laughs> seriously, I can't even close the door, you know? Oh, yeah. And, but then like recently, like, the work from NCAD, um, you know, the first and second years have finished. Mm. So the the online tutorials have slowed down a little bit at the moment. Okay. Um, it's the end of year and we've finished kind of teaching. So it's more kind of planning meetings. Yeah. So I can kind of devote a bit more time to the kids. Yeah. I just had to go with it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. Otherwise, yeah. who could hear who can hear my scream? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And is there anything you're doing or do you get like, is there anything that is helping you to when on those days when it's really difficult or anything that you feel kind of brings down the stress yeah. levels? Yeah. Um, podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts. I've been listening to yours. Oh, I've been listening you. to Angela Scanlon's yeah. Thanks a Million. Yeah. I've yeah. been listening to United Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've tried lots of other kind of ones, but those are the three that I, you know, have subscribed to. And oh, thank you. just listening to other people talking. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that yeah. has helped massively. Yeah. And music. Fiona Apple's new album. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've listened to that. Yeah. Like, they don't shut or don't shut me up or whatever. Yes. You know, kick it under the table. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Hi. And how do you feel like I find the the harder days are the ones where I start thinking about the future and I get a bit overwhelmed about you know oh what's going to happen are they going to go back to school is that going to you know how's that going to work do you find yourself doing that or are you pretty good at staying in the present day no I don't think about the future (laughs) because otherwise I think um I would start to feel real anxiety honestly yeah so yeah I'm a kind of uh a kind of day by day kind of person I don't like stress you know Mm -hmm. there's probably because I just can't you know there's probably a lot underneath that Mm -hmm. but um I I try to not think about it I don't know you know how it's going to be how I could go back to work who buy the kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at first I was thinking I have to move back to Monaghan you know I need to a field for the kids I need you know some support I need you know Mm. but um yeah, and I'm just staying, trying to stay grounded mm. and take each mm. day as it comes mm. and roll on the weekend when I can have some wine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get any moments to yourself during the day at all or is it pretty much nonstop? No, it's nonstop. Mm. Yeah. yeah, until the kids go to bed. Yeah. Um, it's nonstop. And do you stay up after they go to bed or do you go... I've taken to going to bed. I got up at five o'clock this morning just to get some time on my own. I completely, I have the best days in lockdown when I get up at five and just have, yeah, yeah, because my daughter stays up now till 10 
just going to admit that. Yeah. And but then she'll sleep in till half nine. So yeah. I get up at half at five and yeah, just no one around here. I'm staying at my parents gets up until about 10. So I have. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's worth it, isn't it? When your kids go to their dads, how does that feel? Is it an absolute relief or is there a bit of loneliness? Um, during this pandemic, I felt way more lonely yeah. before because I could go out or do things and, you know, you know, catch up with work or go to the studio. And now it's made me feel like when we first separated, they were Mm. first gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And which has been, you know, surprised me in a way. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect those emotions to feel Mm. so intense. So Mm. I think, I think everything around the pandemic is kind of heightened, you Mm. know, Mm. emotionally. But, um, yeah. Also, then I'm left, I'm still left inside of the house, That's you know, it. Yeah. and then I mm. have to do all the washing and cleaning and, mm. you know, mm. catching up on clothes because you have to do so many more washes yeah. because, you know, the yeah. virus and whatever. And yeah, yeah so it, it's, yeah, it's not exactly time. It's, yeah, I don't enjoy the time on my own, mm. really. Mm. I at get the you. Moment. And did you find it, because um, I think when you're a single parent, um, you probably uh, have built yourself up a network of people outside the house who you really rely on more than you maybe otherwise would have. And did you find, like, how are you finding that? Because that's really taken from you then when this all started. Well, it's made me really think about women that have nobody, you know, mm. like Same, yeah. I know that yeah. like, I lost my mum um when I was a teenager and you know I've always felt that loss and when Mm. I had Mm. my kids you know I really missed you know having somebody like you know that absolutely your mom you know I can't even speak properly but it's like (laughs) it was just huge and like my dad is brilliant and he really helps out with Eden and Odin otherwise I would be Mm. I'd be lost Mm. like you know they say it takes a village yeah you know and you really do need support so it has made me think about how women manage that don't have that support or women from other countries that travel here and are really isolated or in you know you know yeah unhealthy conditions you know so I know I know yeah it's I miss I miss my friends I miss yeah you know those connections I miss hugs and Yeah. yeah 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 I really miss my friends I I really um yeah I think when you're well, my experience anyway um, of being a single parent is that you really rely on a few friends in a particular way and yeah. it's very hard not to see them and not to have the same. It is. Mm. Some have been great with chats on the phone and mm. oh, everything yeah. else. But, you know, you're talking to maybe friends that have families and, you know, they're busy. and you know, That's it. And <laughs> you're like, so busy hey. as well. I, well, I find it's difficult because I'm either working or parenting. And I feel kind of guilty then if I'm like, I'm off to chat to a friend for an hour. Like I find it hard to, you know, make the time. So, yeah, you miss your network. Yeah. I spoke to Sasha Hamrog, co-host of the Grief Encounters podcast, about having a baby during lockdown and the anxiety that comes with that. So um, I've 
just on maternity leave. Um, I am the head of digital for the wireless group um, in Ireland, so I oversee um, the websites, the apps, the all the social media um, for the wireless group here in Ireland. Um, and I'm also the um, host of the Grief Encounters podcast. Um, and I'm currently, as I said, on maternity leave. I just had uh, my second baby two weeks ago, uh, two weeks tomorrow, not even two weeks yet. Um, Congratulations. And I have a three-year-old girl as well. Okay, so how have you found, um, how has this affected? I mean, were you were working when the pandemic started, yeah? Yeah, so I was, um, we, we made the transition from working from home towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, so I was due in May and we obviously mid-March started working from home. Um, and it was a really strange transition as a pregnant person, I think, um, because there wasn't a lot of information as to how the the, the virus um, could affect you if you while you were pregnant and I found that as I found that a really um, strange and interesting thing as a woman because I didn't really know where to look for resources and information to find out about how I should protect myself and the baby and my family um, whether or not I should be in work you know that there was a sort of a t- weird week or so where people didn't yeah. know if they were in vulnerable yeah. groups Mm. Um, and that was, um, that was something I definitely grappled with trying to figure out whether or not I was one of those people. Um, Mm. and I think when it comes to women's issues, you know, oftentimes it's different, especially medically, um, it's difficult Mm -hmm. to kind of wade through it and figure out whether or not you, how you should look after yourself. So I did, Mm. I did stay in work until, until the end, like March 13th, I think when most people started working from home. Um, but that was a strange few weeks where it was like starting to introduce gloves and masks and being pregnant Mm -hmm. and not knowing really if you should be in certain places. Um, and, and then, you know, just trying to, I did find, I have to say, I found working from home, uh, for the tail end of my pregnancy, uh, something like I I wish all women could do. Um, Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just in the sense, the physical sense, um, of not having to commute, my yeah. body felt a lot more, um, my body, I won't say my mind, but my body felt a lot more prepared for mm. um, having a baby because I had taken out the commuting and I had taken out the grocery shopping yeah. and I had taken out all that kind of stuff. You mentioned your mind there. How, what were your anxiety levels like when at, at that time? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think we all are, were facing um, something we'd never faced before, which felt slightly familiar to me in the sense of um, with grief, which is the unknown. Mm. Um, So when someone is obviously um, I lost both my parents to cancer, which is something I'm quite passionate about talking about and getting the conversation about grief on the table. When, when you are about, when you, when you're, when someone you love is sick, you don't know what the next day holds or the day after that or the day after that. And that felt similar. Um, Nobody Mm. knew what the next day was going to bring or the next week. We still don't know. Um, And so anxiety is very, very high when you don't have any control over, over anything. Um, I felt the conversation around the birth very difficult to get my head around not knowing how it was going to work yeah who was going to be allowed to be there Mm. how um what would it if I was um if I did uh, contract the virus how would that affect my situation Mm. um so then I became really scared that I would you know, just like anyone, I became really nervous that I would get it before I had the baby. And I found that such a weird thing, right? To like, Mm. (laughs) your whole job is to not 
get something. It felt mm-hmm. such a, it's a strange, strange, mm-hmm. um, very anxiety ridden place to be to kind of mm-hmm. prevent yourself from, from catching something. Um, yeah. If you think about it like yeah. a cold, like imagine trying to not catch a cold. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a strange concept. Mm, yeah because you're focusing so much on something that really you've such limited control over but it becomes and then how did it play out when you went into labor so I um I had a planned section which I think obviously probably was a helpful thing and that I could prepare Mm, Um, sure but uh, I still I still had no idea what I was going into when I got there really in the sense that um you're, you know, you, you can tell, it's hard to explain. I think the pandemic in some ways um, has just, has, it's been such a focus in all of our lives that actually thinking about having the baby became kind of secondary. Okay. Um, I kept thinking yeah. about what was going on in the world and that mm. seems so big that, mm. um, you know, the little things that you would be doing in the days or weeks leading up, going out and buying little outfits, spending time with your friends, maybe having a dinner with a friend who you knew you weren't going to get to spend as much time with over the next few months, all those Mm. little things, um, a baby shower, all those things that you would Mm. normally do, you weren't doing. So, um, so I found like I, it was kind of a jarring change when I went into the hospital that day. It was really, it was very um, memorable in that my family, we all walked to the hospital together, my husband, my three-year-old, myself and our baby in my belly, because we couldn't take public transport to get there. And we don't drive because we live yeah, in the city. Yeah, yeah. So we walked a 20 minute walk uh, together at six o'clock in the morning with the sun coming up to the hospital. Um, I don't think we, if there's any situation, we would have done that. No, absolutely. And did your daughter stay? What happened with your daughter when you went in? So my husband could only, my, my husband could be with me for about 90 minutes. So he was there for right before the surgery. Mm-hmm. And then he was there for about an hour after and then so our neighbors uh, our daughter stayed with our neighbors who were so gracious and uh, opened their house which not everyone would have done in the current circumstances but um they they understood that we were in an unusual situation and they um they have a daughter the same age who my daughter adores so (laughs) they got to play which kids hadn't gotten to play with each other so that was a big deal Mm -hmm. and um, we had to break those rules a little bit because Mm -hmm. we had no you know, we, we had no other yeah. choice. Um, yeah. Grandparents, yeah. my my mother-in-law wasn't wasn't an option because she's cocooning, if, you know, over an hour sure. away. And um, so we had to make those choices. And then I was in the hospital by myself for a few days. Um, oh, really? Yeah, completely alone with with my with my new my new son, which was, um, you know, I, th- I think not to put silver linings on anything, but actually was a very um, I felt um, special experience in lots of ways. I think even if everything goes well and it's all fine, like the anxiety levels at that point of your life are like nothing. Well, like nothing I've ever experienced. Um, And then to be experiencing that going through all this and not being able to use any of the usual support network that you would have. How has that been? What has that been like? Um, I think, you know, that's part of the reason why I was really glad you asked me to come chat to you because um, you know, as difficult as it is to talk about it, I think it's really important to talk about it. It's been very difficult. Mm. Um, I think people look out for signs of postpartum depression. Um, but I think right now, a lot of women are talking about postpartum anxiety, um, because 
the anxiety that you would already that you're already experiencing mixed with hormones mixed with you know I don't know if you experienced this but I remember taking my daughter out for the first time when she was about two weeks old and I felt the world felt really loud and I felt like a mama lion I was really protective of the buggy I was like Mm -hmm. the buses were coming were driving by and I felt like they were too close and Mm -hmm. there's sort of an instinct that exists already I think Mm -hmm. when you're a new parent to protect your baby um Mm -hmm. When you're in this situation, it's very hard because one of the things that I found was my first, I pushed myself to take my son out for a walk and everything felt fine and it was beautiful and it was a beautiful sunny day. And the minute I saw all the people with the masks and the gloves, I wanted to turn around and go home right away Mm. because Mm. I thought, oh God, it was like, I almost forgot that it was happening because we were in our little bubble and then... Yeah. I just wanted to turn around and um, and come back as fast as I could because, you know, one of the things I think that this has highlighted for us all is we don't know everything. We don't know. What do we, we know? Do we know anything? Um, and so when they say, oh, it doesn't affect children or it does affect babies or it doesn't, we don't know enough. I think we don't know enough about it to know for sure about anything. So um, the, the ultimate desire is to kind of protect so it has been, I think the uncertainty and as a parent, bringing a child into a world where you don't know yes, yeah, what, what's happening is, um, there's a, there's an overwhelming sense of, um, I even, I even feel guilt, um, probably because I don't know what world he's gonna grow up in right now. Um, I hope that these things, especially what's going on in America in terms of, um, everything that the protesting that's happening in the name of George Floyd, that we'll see change, but um it's very hard with the virus because it's something that none of us truly have any control over absolutely and you're so vulnerable when you've just had a baby and to be doing that in an unsafe world um I interviewed Tony Bates for one of the other episodes and for on grief and he talked about how for people grieving now uh, it's very hard to kind of dig into those kind of emotions in a world that feels uh, unsafe and I think for you to be going through like you're just you're just so vulnerable when you have a baby and um, I think that's really like it, it, it's a really good point because mm-hmm. one of the things that um with grief for me um what I that I think is important is I tried to like build my strength my inner strength and my resilience up so that I could handle the kind of waves of grief when they mm-hmm. came so things like trying to really like focus on eating well or surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with people that are really supportive and, and positive and good for you and, and those kinds of things. But the thing is, when you're in this situation, you have very limited support resources. And as a vulnerable pregnant person, it's actually really difficult. I don't know um, if other mothers have experienced this. It's actually really difficult to talk, to, to say it to someone because when they see you, they think, oh, new baby, magical time. You hear a lot of those mm. phrases. It's a magical yeah. time. It's precious. It's beautiful. It's mm. also a really scary time. Yeah. Um you know, every, every hiccup, every sound they make, every noise, yes. you know, you oh, think God, yeah. oh, you're, yeah. you're te- yeah. petrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so getting him to appointments, that's another thing, you know, like things like, um, yeah. I have to walk to my public health nurse appointments because they can't come to the house. Um, so there's all these different ways in which you're kind of requiring yourself to be strong, but you don't have those mm-hmm. normal resources that help you build up that strength or are there to catch you if you fall. Obviously, having a newborn isn't a time of your life where you have much time to yourself in general. 
but mm. that's really compromised now I would imagine is are you is there anything that you're doing that is kind of helping you and I know you're so fresh into it but mm. is there anything that you're doing that is keeping you just helping you keep kind of head above water in terms um, of the stress and anxiety it sounds a little bit strange because it's not probably like what I would, you know, it's not a traditional thing because there isn't a whole lot of traditional things out there that you could be doing to like yeah. keep yourself relaxed. Um, mm. The one thing I've been trying to do is monitor, God, this sounds so boring, monitor my screen time and like reduce that okay. as much as I possibly can. Mm. Because what I, what I had found was that any, especially with a new baby, I think this is really important. I think what you're very kind of like, there's all these moments of feeding and there's all these moments mm. of like where you, you can just be scrolling and you can just be looking at things and mm. you can be Googling mm. every possible catastrophic outcome okay. to every situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been putting the phone down and I have been like really present with looking at my little baby's eyelashes and rubbing okay. his hair. And okay. I do things with my daughter now. I feel my relationship with her in the last two weeks has really blossomed because when I'm, mm. when I'm with her, I'm really with her um, because she needs that right now. And it, it's actually making me feel bad. I know that's not really for me, but it feels like it is for me mm. because it's giving me a sense of, it's giving me a sense of restorative joy um, in terms okay. of like, you know, r the things I would have normally done, like reading. I just, my brain is just not, yeah. it's just not there yeah. yet. It, yeah. I hope it will be. Um, yeah. But, you know, I still feel like being involved as much as I can in, in activism and, um, even though it's a lot of it's online, that can feel really like you're, you're part of the world. Again, you're doing something mm. um, that's important for your kids mm. as well. But yeah, it's mm. a, for me, it's been about, and it's not so much about doing something, but about not doing something. So it's a lot yeah. about like trying to get that screen time and, and avoid a lot of that stuff. Yeah, no, that's such a good point because I think one of the really hard things now is kind of getting overwhelmed with future thinking. Like you mentioned, even thinking about what kind of world your boy has been born into, that's completely understandable. Um, but I think, like you said there, children can be such a good thing, to, a way of putting yourself into the now um, because it's, yeah, if you're if you're really engaged with them, um, it's quite hard then to kind of, yeah. We're talking there about obviously not getting overwhelmed by the future, but is there... Are, are you planning anything in your head for kind of how to manage this going forward? Or are you guys very much just taking it day by day? Um, obviously, like, I, it's kind of funny, you know, I had this ideals about this maternity leave, these like, this yeah. like majestic, beautiful maternity yeah. leave where we're, you know, my husband is a stay at home parent. So it was a one chance for all of us to be home together. And okay. um, yeah, so that's very different now. I think um, really it's day by day in this house. I think we're thinking about obviously when I go back to work, but, you know, even that conversation is such a strange one. I mean, what is the mm. workplace going to look like for all of us? Mm. How are we all going to, um, is our, you know, how, how we work going to change our locations? Mm. Are we going to be at home? Um, and that's, I'm not just talking about my own particular work situation. That's obviously a global thing. Mm. Um, so it's day by day. Um, and, and in day by day, I suppose there can be a happiness because you give, you give in a little bit to trying to control everything. Um, mm. But, you know um we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see I guess and uh my daughter's supposed mm. to start school in September I have no idea you know, yeah. if that's gonna god yeah if that's gonna yeah. happen um but we'll we'll see um I don't know for for you um what it's like for you but it definitely um it definitely feels a little bit um oh gosh, the newborn baby brain has set, set in. Um, it, it just feels a little bit redundant to try and think of, to try and imagine what it's going to look like. 
I know. Absolutely. Last question there. What you said about like, I think it, we're, we all very much at the start, as well, especially we're grieving like the life that we suddenly lost. That's really prevalent when you're on maternity leave, because I think we all do a bit of that. where We're like we have a really uh, strong idea of how it's going to be and how it should look and what we're going to do. And then there's that kind of grief when it's you know it's a it's a, a, a form of grief in itself of it not being like that is that something that you've had to kind yeah. of contend with yeah that's i'm sad about it i am sad yeah. about it i'm yeah. sad because um my husband said to me well this is before the pandemic hit but he said something so so sweet he was like oh my god you know because i was telling him how wonderful my first maternity leave was and how i used to go i was really like mm-hmm. i used to take her to all the museums and i'd sit in the museum cafes and i would um like yeah. I'd walk around the museum then i'd sit and i'd have a brownie and a coffee and I'd, like it was just this beautiful time in my life i would meet friends and i just I can't even describe it it was just so perfect and I said oh well it'll be different this time because there's two of them and my husband said yeah but the great thing is is that like I'll take her to the park and you can still do those things and you can put him in the sling and you can go into and I remember thinking oh my god he's right that would be so even if I got to do that once or twice a week how yeah. great would that be yeah and so I was holding on to this idea that of these little things of um these little special places that I would go um, taking, like I used to take her to the uh, mommy and me screenings and the lighthouse and the cinema and those little things. And I had these dreams of doing them and now like <laughs> nothing, nothing exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, um, I never thought we'd have this little bubble that we have right now either. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm trying to take, to take it day by day and and as as the restrictions lift who knows we might get a few moments of sitting in a museum for a little while uh drinking yeah. a coffee when he when he had to leave the labor ward sasha your your husband how was that it was so funny because he left it was so quick so we were just standing in okay. a hall i was on a bed okay. full of lots of drugs and he just had to say goodbye to me in the hall as i got into a lift okay. and then i just didn't see him you know um, I felt for, I actually felt more for him than I felt for myself because imagine being a new parent, meeting your child for a few minutes yeah, and then so hard. having to leave them and not yeah. see them again. Um, I had this kind of bubble where I got to spend time uh, getting to know my little baby. Um, I thought there was something really interesting they told me in the hospital, which was baby's weights were all up because mm. there were no, there were fewer interruptions with visitors. Fascinating which I thought was really interesting. So the hospital was really quiet. And I will say, I think that's, if anyone's listening who is pregnant um, and you are about to experience this, there was Mm. one thing that helped me get through this so much, which is the hospital is so quiet. So without visitors, you have a lot, there's a peace. I get that that's not everyone is not going to, is going to be comforted by that. But for for some people that might be a comfort. It was for me. Um, Women are able to kind of focus a little bit on, on the task at hand, the, the initial feeds, the nappy changing, the, you know, getting to know the, the feet and the toes and all that kind of stuff. That's um, sort of how I spent it. Um, I definitely missed my family. Uh, I was there for four days. Um, but, but, you know, I tried to grasp the kind of peacefulness while I could. I was treated exceptionally well by the, by the staff. Um, and they did everything they could to make you feel um, mm. less lonely, I think. Um, and things like the Rotunda, which is a hospital in Dublin, um, 
city center they have a very specific food plan they have like this incredible meal service so all the food mm. is really healthy which actually helped the whole process be a little bit more mm. i don't know just a little bit more easier um but mm. saying goodbye in the hall felt you know it felt scary for sure I spoke to entrepreneur and lecturer Jenny McGinn about the difficulty of managing two careers in one house with two small children and how mental health management has had to take a back seat. If you want to just tell me a little bit about your career, what you were doing when this all started. Well, technically, when this started, I was supposed to be on maternity leave um, with my second baby. So Holly was five months at the time. And I mean, maternity leave is a very loose concept for anybody who is self-employed. Mm. I had already started back lecturing when Holly was four months. I was already committed okay. to doing that. So um, that was already a shock to the system because lecturing for anybody who's like dipped their toe into it, um, it's it's all consuming. It's, you know, there's a kind of an image that you just rock up and deliver a three hour lecture, but there's everything else that goes with that. Um, you know, developing all the coursework, dealing with all the students, mm. dealing with all the administration, doing all the marking. Um, and I was also, I'm the industry um, lecturer, so I was also um, bringing in lots of guest speakers. So I was literally halfway through the lecturing and was about to finish off the next set of lectures with guest speakers and experts who were going to come in and do guest lectures. And um, this happened, I literally was in DIT the day that they announced the colleges were closing. Okay. So my plan pre-COVID happening was actually to go and look for a full-time job because okay, okay. I've been consulting and freelance for the last couple of years and I just wanted a bit of a change of scenery. And to be honest, I wanted a bit of like security, but just also like structure and kind of consistency. So I love being freelance, I love consulting, but it was time to just go back into that structured environment and also be working with people. You know, I love working with businesses and I have great relationships with everybody I work with, but I just want to be back in a team environment for a while. Mm -hmm. So that was the plan pre-COVID. And then I'm kind of in the middle of lecturing and it just all hell absolutely breaks loose. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the first two weeks of COVID, I don't think I've ever experienced that level of stress in my life because yeah. to a certain degree, I, I lecture master students and understandably the, the level of anxiety um, coming from the students was just like phenomenal. My partner's job at the time, because, you know, in the in the early stages of COVID, nobody knew what was going on and some people reacted in a really flexible way immediately and some people just sort of ignored what was happening and it was absolutely business as usual mm -hmm. you wrote in one of your posts and I could so identify with this I did the same thing of uh trying to write to, trying to do the routine every night and literally minutes into the day gone I, I was exactly that person until I stopped will you tell me a little bit about trying to get that because <laughs> when, when I saw that I, I, I mean yes. I am a big believer in the concept of routines <laughs> and order and structure yeah. and maybe it's a psychological construct to make you feel like you can get through the day um mm -hmm. but I I just think when you're at home right my partner's trying to work I'm trying to work you've two young kids 
that are physically, emotionally, and mentally dependent on you from the minute they wake up to the minute that they, they go to bed. Yeah. And yes, we need to have some type of routine because he needs to get his work done. I need to get my work done. And then certain things need to happen over the course of the day. People need to be fed. Mm-hmm. People need naps, mm-hmm. um, fresh air, feeding. And I like to think sometimes, uh, sorry, I think all mothers do this anyway. I, 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 my winding down is as, like in my bed, not asleep, but in my bed, just like outlining all the various things that I need to check off for the next day mm-hmm. and waking up the next morning and realizing that the toddler has just gotten out of bed on the wrong side mm-hmm. and he's just not in the mood. And that's it from that moment, no matter what you've kind of pre-planned for that day, it's at the behest of, you know, a toddler who's going through all sorts of emotions at the moment because mm. this is very confusing for them. Mm. Um, and trying to then hold on to that structure over the course of the day is impossible. It's just impossible. So just trying to plan and there's trying to create structures so that you can feel like you've got some sense of control. But at the same time, you need to have like an internal resilience to accept that that structure is just mm. not going to be carried out for the day you know will you tell me what your days look like now at the moment yeah so there the the overriding theme is absolute exhaustion Mm. um so there there's structure in the sense that my partner's job is not very flexible so the flexibility that we've been afforded is that he can work three morning shifts and two afternoon shifts but they are shift shifts okay end of story there's no concession or acknowledgement that he is also a parent at home with two young kids. And then because I am freelance and consulting, I have to be the one that kind of flexes and molds with this. Yeah. But he'll do three mornings and on those mornings, I'll do the afternoon. So I will get up with the kids in the morning. I'll make a breakfast. What's unfortunate for me at this moment is the two kids are on different napping schedules. So I'll get them up. I'll have their breakfast. I'll get them dressed. Then Holly will go down for a nap. And then I'll play with Luke and then Holly will get up and Luke will go down for a nap and then I'll get Holly back up again. And it just means that there is literally no, like there's no five minutes to yourself to have a cup of tea. It's just like mm. constant go, 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 go. Um, and I, I have in the morning shift, like two, tw- maybe twice, maybe three times successfully managed to get them both out in the morning for a walk because there's all this, you know, get out of the house mm. and go for a walk and you know there's so many ways to keep them occupied as long as you can bring them outside those mornings that I've tried to get the two of them up dressed and coordinated into the buggy and out of the house I've nearly had a heart attack yeah. by the time I open the front door yeah. <laughs> I arrive back sweating I've like done a marathon just and we've only gone for one little walk around the uh, around the lakes <laughs> but the just the emotional and mental and physical stress of trying to get them coordinated together and get them out so I've done that a few times but then when I clock in for my three o'clock shift, I am absolutely drained. So sometimes we get out in the morning, more often than not, I'll take them out in the afternoon if I've got the afternoon shift. But if I am back on my morning shift and I clock in at three, Mm. I have to gather everything I need, like fuel, water, uh, snacks, all of my equipment. And I have to lock myself in my bedroom. Yeah. and like sneak around upstairs yeah. because if if Luke hears me he will just scream for me yeah. um and it's not he's he's not 
over like he's very independent but I'm sure anybody can say at the moment mm. like kids oh, yeah. are just going through a really weird time yeah. and if I'm around he needs to be with me at all the time to- like all all the time yeah whereas Paul could sit on the floor in the middle of the kitchen <laughs> and just work for 10 hours solid and they wouldn't like they'd walk over him they wouldn't go near him they'd have no interest in him mm. um so then I'm doing my shift for a couple of hours and if I need to get anything I have to like whatsapp <laughs> himself downstairs and just say you know you need to distract the kids like hide in the shed or whatever I need to come down and get a cup of tea um so if if I'm up here and Luke hasn't um, recognize that I'm up here I can do a couple of hours solid work and that's fine mm. if he has you know I could be disrupted for an hour trying to like mm. cajole him and coerce him and distract him and then like you know ninja style run away um, and then then dinner we try to get dinner um, for six o'clock six mm. or half six we try to all do it together and again that's just you know the ideas of quality family time and it's so stressful <laughs> um, but then I'll come down and help to get them ready for bed mm-hmm. and then I might go up and do a couple of hours. Okay. What are your stress levels like and is there anything that you're doing that's helping you cope? No, my stress levels are at an all-time high and my stress le- so I would have a huge capacity for stress. Mm. I think that goes with like having run a business. Um mm. I think anybody who works for themselves has a high high tolerance for stress. Absolutely. Anybody who's young kids has a high tolerance for stress. Mm. But I would be concerned because I've been operating at you know a high level of stress for a very long time and there's no reprieve. There's no reprieve. So like I knew this okay this isn't you know this didn't just like happen one day like oh my god I'm 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 so I'm so I'm I'm nearly burnt out I've no time for me mm. I knew when the shit hit the fan at the start of this there's your home there's your kids there's my work there's mm. his work mm. there's his mental health there's my mental health mm. and I knew that the one thing that I personally was going to let slide was my mental health because um I knew I wouldn't have time for me. I wouldn't have time for the yoga videos. I wouldn't have time to, to get out and walk by myself. I wouldn't have time to, um, you know, have long, luxurious baths, like the usual stuff that I would do for stress relief, like having, you know, bottomless brunches with my friends. All of those things mm. were like immediate, like they weren't, they were taken away from me. I let them be taken away because I said, look, the kids and my work and his work kind of have to all come first. And then the other thing that takes the place of, my self-care is um organizing the house and I know a lot of people will say you know just 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 let that stuff go and I am not a neat freak I'm absolutely not a neat freak but I just think when you've got two adults and two young kids in a house on top of each other for this length of time Mm. if you don't make some level to keep the house organized on a daily basis that level of clutter Mm, that can accumulate mm. and the disorganization that can create and the mental chaos that, that can create mm. that would be what probably would send me over the edge whereas I you know uh, rather than spend an hour doing a yoga video I would probably spend an hour trying to organize their clothes mm. and I know that and I recognize that but I think if I let the house just swallow us up that would 
like send me over the edge far quicker than going, yeah. okay, yeah. I, 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 I can't take this outlet that I would normally take for myself. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not healthy, but I can keep going for a little bit longer. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm saying to myself. Now, I mean, you might see some sort of news report about me having like, you know, just left the house one day mm-hmm. and was found wandering, you know, in County Galway, having walked endlessly for hours and hours and has forgotten who she was and who her name, what her name is. But for the moment, I'm like, no, I'll keep going. There will be light at the end of the tunnel, I hope. But it's hard. No. Um, with your own work, um, how are you, like, you've worked really hard to get where you are, as any yeah. freelancer will know, even when you're, fully employed you're also maintaining and you know bringing yes. new stuff it's not just you don't just get to a level and yeah. uh but in something like this so much of that kind of work is suffering because yeah. you know um like you say one you know maybe another job has to be take has to take priority within the household or one work is more flexible how do you feel about your work and how it's being affected by all this and long term because we don't know what's gonna happen with childcare. Like how are you how how are you feeling Absolutely. hopeful wise, I suppose? Yeah. Really look, I always say with being freelancer, being consulting, you're always, always operating in at least three modes. And yeah. there should be four modes really, but that's definitely one mode that's kind of being put to the side at the moment. You're looking for work, you're doing the work, yeah. and then you're trying to get paid for the work. Yeah. And then really the fourth thing that you should be doing is, you know, like showcasing your work, profiling, networking, yeah. brand building, all that sort of stuff. Okay. But that's definitely put to the side for the moment. Um for me, I feel so strong. So first of all, I know that like a lot of people would see my output and they'd be like, would you not just take a break? Would you not just, you know, spend time with the kids? I really, really hate this. I absolutely hate when people say this, but you know, the kids are so young. Would you not take some time off now when they're so young? They're only young once. And it's so well-meaning and so well-intentioned, but I'm like, you don't know my personal financial situation, mm-hmm. eh? And also you don't know if I had the security and the luxury of knowing that if I took five years off and I could just walk back into a career and maintain the momentum that I had been at, yeah. of course I take those years off, of yeah. course. And it's not really something that um, men have to think about, but, you know, and it's so insidious, it's so unspoken, but even like, you know, I've been speaking to so many people over the last couple of weeks work-wise and, you know, just little comments that I would hear about God, I'm just, you know, I'm juggling so many maternity leaves at the moment. Like, it's just, I'm, it's really hard for me to schedule, like, who's in the office and who's not. Or I had a really good chat with, a, like, a male colleague of mine. And it, it actually took me a week for this to, to fully sink in because I agreed with him when he said it first, which was, um, sometimes I think that, that mothers hold themselves back. And I agreed with him at first because I was like, you know what, I, I, I think we do because we lack confidence and we lack skills sometimes, or we, th- we, we think we have a lack of skills, so we, we don't always put ourselves out there. And then I, a week later, I was like, I was furious because it's like, we don't hold ourselves back. We're, we're held back by, mm. you know, by this, like, as you, all, all those things that you touched on in your article, this kind of silent and implicit bias in the workplace, all of this additional work that we have to take on, 
all this like all of these women that have moved into freelance and consulting because they're trying to create that space to run their family but they're the ones that always have to flex and move and pull mm. their work back in times like this I just it made me enraged so in a way say the earlier point about my self-care maybe some of my self-care is being lost because I am determined to keep creating and keep mm the yeah. output going as much as I can because I do know that kind of unspoken and unacknowledged kind of silent detriment that can happen to women who who aren't there and I'm not sorry I'm not in any way suggesting that you know you need to keep pushing at this level but I suppose because I've been in that freelancing world for so mm -hmm. long I feel I kind of I need to do it now the other thing that I will be very upfront about when I'm working with people whether it's men women no matter what size their business or stage is that I will be like I have young kids mm -hmm. I can't do a call at this time because I'm on shift like I know that other people like you know other women will will try and pretend that there's not you know this family stuff going on in the background and I know that a lot of people could, will shut themselves away in the office and they'll do their couple of hours. Whereas I'm like, no, mm. this is the reality at the moment. I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I don't have two young kids mm. running around the house who need me all the time. I'm going to let you know that mm. so that you can have some sort of insight into what my day is like. Mm. And I'm also going to get the work done so you can know exactly that I can still contribute and deliver at you know, a really high level, despite what I'm going mm -hmm. through. Um, so I am lucky that I do have a lot of female clients and they, they, they are in similar positions. So they'll, of course, be understanding. But I also have a lot of male clients who kind of go into their office and shut themselves off for the mm -hmm. day. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, I can't do that Zoom call at this time. And I can't do this at this time because mm -hmm. I'm looking after the kids. And also, if I'm having a call, I'll be like, sorry, you might hear Luke or Holly in the background. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to pretend that this isn't happening, but I don't want and I also want them to know that I can still create and yeah. deliver what they need yeah last question Jenny um kind of following on from that how do you see this affecting the campaign for flexible working as a right I'm, I'm very concerned about this to be fair okay because I think there's been a real misunderstanding about I think flexible and remote working have been interchanged and confused during this conversation and there's been this big hurrah and this huge push for remote working and remote working is not necessarily what parents are looking for first mm -hmm. of all mm -hmm. second of all the remote working conversation and the one that's being championed and the one that's being held up as being successful doesn't necessarily have two working parents in the background um mm. so yes the technical sorry i'm doing a lot of air quotes which is not really <laughs> helpful for the podcast <laughs> the technical mm -hmm. considerations around remote working as it has been this hallelujah moment which i'm really surprised by because you know like the the, the tech companies are dominating this conversation and of course they knew that they had the technical infrastructure mm -hmm. to allow people to to work from home mm -hmm. smaller organizations where there's just a lot more you know, touch points, there's tighter teams, um, there's, you know, an anxiety around what works if you can't see somebody in the office. Yes, mm -hmm. maybe for them, it's it's a case of, oh, right, okay, we can see that we can communicate with everybody. And mm -hmm. yes, I mean, we did kind of trust our staff, but now we, we absolutely trust that they can work from home and they can create and they deliver. Because my biggest, like, like 
war cry for working from home. It's like just if you trust somebody and and give them a task and say, let's decide when this task needs to be delivered. And when you have that agreement in place, if you trust somebody to deliver that, I mean, they're going to deliver that. They could be in the office and not deliver it, you know? So mm. I really don't understand this lack of trust around people who want to do a good job, who want to deliver, mm-hmm. who want to perform, just maybe have logistical um, and um, parental and commuting issues that they might need to address. Mm. But the conversation has shifted towards remote working. And from what I understand, remote working is great we can set somebody up at home and they can work and they can work set hours Mm -hmm. and we can pay them less and we don't have to pay the overheads of having them in an office environment so actually this sounds like a great coup for a business and for people who are working in Sligo and want access to a fantastic job in Dublin and they have their office and they know they can do an excellent job working from home that is amazing and that that whole conversation has been opened up Mm -hmm. but like the real conversation for parents is I want to work one or two days in the office because I want to be around people. I want to be away from my kids. Mm-hmm. I want to get dressed up. I want to have that drive into the office for an hour where I can listen to a podcast. I want to have the chats with my colleagues. I also want that peer-to-peer, you know, feedback and bounceability around ideas and thoughts. And I want to know that my working day is over at, you know, five, six or seven or whenever it is. And then I want my two or three other days where I can work but I have to know that I don't have to check in at 9am, you know, or whatever the set hours are. The flexibility piece is going X mind work has to be delivered over that day, over that week. And we are going to trust that that person is Mm -hmm. going to do it in their own time and whatever suits them. And we're not going to be checking in to see, you know, are they skiving or are they clocking off? Mm -hmm. We're going to understand that maybe they're doing a crash drop. Maybe they're taking the kids outside for an hour because the sun is glorious, but they've got a task and they're going to complete it. And, I'm just not sure that that piece of the conversation is being accounted for. Mm. And I, I think that there's maybe going to be a little bit of a blowback on women. So parents, but also then more specifically on women and their productivity levels mm. over the course of the next couple of months when this remote working is reimagined. Because I know a lot of women who are remote work or who who are working from home because of the COVID and work for some of the, you know, the biggest tech companies and the biggest multinationals. And they are allowed to work in shifts, but that real flexibility and that real understanding that they are really trying to work from home with kids or trying to do like two or three different jobs over the course of the day. I don't know if that is being understood. And actually if their performance now is being judged on Mm. the same level as their performance pre-COVID and all things are not equal all things are not the same but I don't know if that level of line management and that real understanding of what Mm. it's like for a parent working at home at the moment is being translated into this new idea of what flexible working is so I I'm I'm to be honest I am concerned I'm more concerned Mm. than relieved I I think there's going to have to be a lot of pushing primarily from women and also then like from parents as a team saying this moment that we're experiencing right now is not 
what remote working and not what flexible working truly is. Yes. This is just extremely tired parents um, and carers trying to just survive over the course of a day mm. working and trying to do a good job and then trying to be a good parent and doing that 24 seven for an extended period of time. And I think that that, that conversation really has to be factored in yeah. post COVID when we try and actually build out flexi working and remote working strategies and policies. 100%. So I'll probably have to store up some energy somewhere <laughs> to start that shouting down the line. <laughs> Jenny, thank you so much. That was so, um, you're so brilliant. That was great. Thank you so much for talking to me. A last word from my best friend, Shireen, a mother of two girls aged two and four. The main thing for me has been the lack of headspace, the lack of distance from my kids. Um, I have two girls, both preschool. I'm self-employed, not working at the moment, and same, my husband is the same. Um, you know, before I was used to kind of going out, having new experiences and coming back to my kids with kind of fresh eyes. And I think not having that and having the monotony of spending every every day with them has kind of taken its toll um in the beginning i had a huge amount of energy for it i ordered all the craft supplies there were out there we baked we gardened we painted we danced we sang and then i think somewhere along the along the line i just ran out of steam um in the beginning i wasn't doing any future thinking i was present with the kids i was um you know practically patting myself on the back going okay I'm doing really well at this this is this is good um now I think we're in the next phase and it feels much more sticky um much harder to navigate now um the uncertainties of the future are kind of looming and I'm doing loads of future thinking um, but also at the same time, I'm sort of saying to the the anxieties that are coming up and going, you you sit in that box there because I can't deal with you right now because I'm I'm a mother and I've got to mother these kids. And then, of course, that's not always possible. Um, So feeling like not the greatest mother either, which is challenging in itself. Um, I think I've I've probably become a bit more resilient um, you know, when stuff comes up with the kids, when it's really sticky, there's kind of, there's nowhere to go. So you have to just go through it and, um, painful as it may be, it's, um, it's probably made me a bit more resilient, but at the same time, I also feel incredibly, um, vulnerable. So I sort of, I feel far more vulnerable than I ever had as, have as a mother and and I also feel more resilient um I don't know if that makes any sense but um yeah that's pretty much it Dunn Stores are proud sponsors of How to Fall Apart, the support series. 
We have an excellent fresh offer that is always great value. Make sure to eat well to mind your health.